Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the half-century episode of the Hard-Hitting Sports Podcast. My name is Jordan Lauby, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jack Bradley. Jack, how are you doing today? Boston Celtics are in the NBA Finals. End of episode. That's all I need to say. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm doing great, obviously, clearly. Um, been a wild, wild ride for this Boston Celtics team. Um, and for the Golden State Warriors, but I think their playoff run, and, and we'll get into it a little bit later, um, has not been as impressive as this Boston Celtics revenge tour, as some like to call it. A um, lot of emotions Sunday night. I know Jordan and I will talk a little bit more about it. I, I thought Jordan and, and some of my friends watching here with me were never going to want to talk to me again after that game. So um, we'll get into it, but um, excited for episode 50. I think it's a special occasion. Um, and it, it's very fitting that uh, that the Celtics are in the finals for this. So um, I don't know, Jordan, I guess you want to kick it off with the Western Conference or should we kick it off in the East to, to review, we, review some series? We can start for the West. I'm going to let you sweat a little bit and let you uh, let you really think about what you want to say about the Celtics. <laughs> but I think the, the Warriors Mavs series was honestly kind of disappointing and not because I picked the Mavs to win, but I genuinely thought they were going to have a put up a much better fight than they did. I mean, they lost. Game one, they lost by 25 or 35, whatever the number is. I think it's, yeah, 25. Then the next game, they lose by nine. Then the next game, they lose by nine again. And then the last game, they lose by 10. You know, a lot of those are, you know, just they're giving the Mavs free throws at the end to make it a little closer just because whatever. Um, But it was from the ones I watched, like, it was a boring series whenever the Warriors didn't have the ball. Like Luca was great, but anyone else that was doing anything, it was just a total shit show. Um, and and half uh, in two or three of the games, Luca had at least thirty to forty percent of the team's points, and that doesn't make good. That doesn't make for good playoff basketball. And I wish, in that sense, it would have been the Suns playing against the Warriors because it would have been a much better contest. Um. But, uh, I mean, Luka can't do it all. I mean, Spencer Didwitty had an awful series. Um, they really couldn't do much outside of those two. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I Yeah. Watching, I mean, game two is the biggest one that stood out to me because Dallas obviously had the chance. They were up big. I think they were up 25 at one point in the yeah. second. They took a big lead into the third quarter, and I believe they went into the fourth quarter up maybe seven or eight. And the Warriors just came out and absolutely dominated them. Steph Curry could not be stopped. Clay hit a couple of clutch threes. Jordan Poole was playing great defense, which Jordan Poole playing defense. I know watching some of these other series and watching them play teams like Denver, um, Memphis, who's good, but obviously with John Moran out in that series, Jordan Poole really hasn't had to play defense. And obviously we'll get into it in this series, this upcoming series, but um, the Warriors are just deep, man. I mean, they, They've kind of found the cream of the crop. I know we talk about teams like the Nets. Oh, just wait till they get to the playoffs. Or um, I'm trying to think other the Lakers. Wait till they get to the playoffs. Well, they didn't even get into the playoffs. But the Warriors, I mean, Steph missed some time. Clay obviously coming back from injury was huge. Draymond's not a spring chicken anymore. So, and guys like Iguodala, Wiggins, guys that have miles on them, um, played really well in the series. Andrew Wiggins, want to shout out to him. He probably arguably could have been the series MVP. Yeah. Um, I believe he averaged the second most points on the team in this series. Obviously, Steph averaging 27, 5, and 5, or 24, 5, and 5, I think is what it was. 
But um, Wiggins, I mean, came up clutch. He, he didn't have the best uh, shooting percentage from three, but still shot over 46% in the series. Had the highest plus-minus average on the team at plus 11 per game. Um, and, yeah, him and Clay both averaged 18.6 points per game. So tied with Clay for that. But, um, yeah, no, you were spot on. I think the Mavs are definitely going to need some help here. They're going to be losing Jalen Brunson from what I'm assuming. I mean, he's going to be asking for maybe not a max contract, but a, a solid four year, maybe 30. In the back. Yeah. 20, 20 to $25 million a year. If, if you know, we're being quite transparent here. Um, I know there's guys like Deandre Ayton, you know, free agents who would be, I think good alongside Luca. I know they tried the Kristaps Porzingis project and it didn't work out too well for them. Um, you know, guys like Dinwiddie, they're great players, but they're not sec. They're not, they can't be your second option. You need another star in Dallas. Um, all, I mean, obviously they played a great series against the Suns defensively that jazz series, um, you know, taking playing great with Luca out. But, um, if you're the Mavericks, you definitely got it. If you want to win now, you got to add around Luca. I know everyone's talking about how Jimmy Butler needs another star. And I think he has one in Bam Adebayo, who was pretty much shut down other than maybe two games in that series. And Kyle Lowry, who's 37 years old. Um, but I think Luka Doncic needs a star more than Jimmy Butler needs a star. I, I'm thinking, because I don't think the Heat are going to retain Tyler Hero, especially for what he's going to get to come off the bench. And especially that Duncan Robinson's already making the money that he is. Hero is going to be a hundred mil plus guy yeah. um, or at least a 20 mil a year kind of deal. I can see the Mavs making a move for Tyler Hero. And I think his play and Luka Doncic's play would complement each other incredibly. Um, so that could be moved. Yeah. There's a lot of really good reagents. I mean, DeAndre Ains probably not going to go back to the Suns after not getting a deal done this year. And after how that series ended, I doubt he stays in Phoenix. So that could be another big option threat that you get for Luca. He would look good in a Mavs uniform, personally. Yeah. But I, I totally agree. You got to get Luca some help because Luca. I mean, everyone loves to make the Michael Jordan comparison, but it's it's almost dead on. Like if you watch his play, he's literally just a slower Michael Jordan. With yeah. he can pull up from anywhere, he can drive right into. He plays stellar defense for the most part. Um, this series, obviously, towards the end of games, he was putting his head down after missing shots, but. When you're putting up 40 a game and you're still losing, it's easy to get defeated like that. So I don't I don't blame him for that at all. But, I mean, I love MJ, but the, the proof's in the pudding. He didn't do anything really until he got another superstar big man there like Scottie Pippen. Maybe Luka just needs another all-star big man or big man who can help him out and take on some of the weight. And DeAndre Aiden's kind of that guy. But if you want a player like Luca, you go Tyler Hero route or someone different. Who knows? But I think those two names would fit perfect in Dallas, whichever way you go. Yeah, you could even do a. You can even try some sort of trade. I don't. I don't know what Dallas really has for draft pieces, but um, you know, maybe even a Donovan Mitchell type guy who's can be that one A, have that one A, have that one B. Rudy Gobert too. I don't know if he fits the offensive side as well. Um, you know, but and and that Mavs team defensively has been okay. They aren't the best defensive team. They aren't the worst defensive team. Um, I think him and Aiton, I think just makes sense, but um, we'll definitely see more of this off season um, as the sun, as really the Suns and other teams uh, that didn't quite get to the finals or, you know, are trying to make that next jump or teams that are looking to rebuild, maybe like the jazz, um, you know, as they try to trade away pieces and, and build that way. So um, yeah, I'm trying to think anything else on this series. I mean, the, the, the Warriors did what, you know, I expected. I think I said Warriors in six, it ended up Warriors in five. I know a lot of people, 
you know, have been saying the Warriors haven't had the, the most challenging road to get there. They had Denver with two injured starters and an Aaron Gordon that was non-existent. Like I said, John Morant did not play those last three games of the series. I believe it was mm. um, in that second round. And I know, I know Memphis has played well with, without jaw this year, but in the playoff series, it's a totally different animal when you're going up against this warriors. It's still a dynasty. I'm still going to call it a dynasty six finals yeah. appearances in eight years. That's, that's unheard of. I mean, that's basically they, what the nineties bulls were doing. So I, I forget, are they three and two or four and one in the finals? Three and two. They won uh, 15, 17, 18, and they lost the 3-1 series to LeBron in 16, and then they lost to Toronto. And Toronto, that's who it was. I was trying to remember who the yeah, other team was. Yeah. So, that was the six-game series, right, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Toronto. Um, that was like a yeah. shocking, like, the Warriors should have won that. And yeah, out. I mean, Durant Durant went down game one, didn't play the oh, rest yeah, of the that's right. Clay went out, I think it was in game six, but yeah. – um, it was a tough series. I mean, that was kind of the, not the end of the Warriors dynasty because they kind of picked right back up where they left off. But I know they had a really bad year in 2020 with Clay, Steph, and losing KD um, all out. And then 2021, they didn't even make the real playoffs. They were the eight seed and then obviously got upset by um, the Grizzlies, who they were able to get their revenge on this year. But yeah. um, now Warrior, Warriors definitely deserve to be here. I know you said if it was the Suns, and I agree. I think if the Suns, if that was a Suns Warriors series, maybe it's still the same outcome, but that's going at least six or six games, probably seven. I would guarantee um, six after would, the yeah. Pelicans and Mavs series. Like, yeah, I would so. guarantee six. But that's why you hate to see game sevens if you're a fan of that team, because you never know when you can have your worst game of the season. And it happens. Teams are just have off nights and it sucks when it happens in game seven. Yeah. Um, and that's why I was scared for the Celtics to go to game seven. <laughs> no, literally. And uh, at the end, it almost looked like I'm, I mean, I guess we can just skip over to the Celtics now. It, There's not yeah. Much to talk about. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you all know I watch every minute of every Celtics game that I possibly can. Um, but just from that series and end, everyone who's out there right now saying the Celtics got it easy because they weren't playing against Chris Middleton against the Bucks. Kyle Lowry missed a few games. Jimmy Butler was playing on a bum knee. Um, the list goes on. P.J. Tucker had injury. Tyler Hero obviously missed a few games in the series and what played five minutes in game seven. In the second quarter, I don't, he didn't come in at all in the second half. So, um, but anyone who wants to like say the Celtics got lucky because of injuries, cry me a river. The Celtics have their fair share of injuries. Jalen Brown was out last year. Robert Al Horford had COVID. Jalen Brown probably wasn't 100%. Yeah. Rob Rob Williams is still not 100%. Marcus Smart is still not 100%. So I don't even want to hear it. But no, I mean, this, this series, man, it was, it was game one. You know, we expected it to, expected it to kind of go that way it sucks the Celtics had the lead and then just fell apart in the third quarter game two they played probably their best game of the series I would say um because they were shooting lights out I think they were 50 percent from three um and the heat just couldn't make a shot game three same thing come out in the first quarter start out down 22 cut it all the way down to one with Mm -hmm. Jason Tatum having an ass game in game three I'm gonna put it as it is and Jalen Brown shooting 100 percent from three um and Al Horford going off and then game four, Celtics coming up defensively, not their best shooting night. Game five, again, coming out really great defensively. I think the Heat were about four of 32 from three. Um, and you saw that. That's why, that's why I, I mean, I'm not one to call a series over early. You know me. But after game five, I just really felt like the Celtics were going to win that game at home. Because the Heat, I mean, Jimmy Butler was just shooting threes. They weren't even hitting rim. Oladipo, 
Bam out of bio had a decent game, but it was, and the Celtics weren't the Celtics by no means played a great game in game five. They had a great second half. I know that was the, the uh, Jalen Brown revival game on Twitter when everyone was just mm-hmm. roasting me for telling us, Hey, the second team, half, it's a team game. Yeah. The leading scorer in game five, fuck you trolls. Um, Literally. And then game six, I mean, game six. So I, I spent the money to go to that game. Um, Cause I really did believe the Celtics were going to win that at home. I know it's, you know, the last few times the Celtics have been in this situation, they blow the lead. I know all four of those losses when they were up 3-2 in the Eastern Conference Finals in 2012 and 2010 were all to LeBron. Uh, or excuse me, 2012 and 2018 were to LeBron. And then 2010, they were up 3-2 in the Finals going back to L.A. and lost to Kobe and that great Lakers team. Yeah. Um, so, but this time I thought it was different. And clearly game six was no different. We shot ourselves in the foot. The refs weren't great. Um, Jimmy Butler, respect to him, man. I mean, that game watching that. I mean, like, and people, people are ripping smart. It's like, he was some of those shots. Smart was right in his face. Right he in his had a face. couple, a couple three pointers that went in with under a second on the shot clock. Like some prayer shots go in. We make a few dumb turnovers. Obviously we fight back. Derek white has the game of the seat of his season, um, hitting three, three pointers, getting an and one there, but Jalen Jason, not showing up really, or shooting the ball at all in the fourth quarter killed us there. Um, Al Horford, I know he was playing that game with a heavy heart with his grandfather passing. I don't think a lot of people knew that till after the game because that was probably his worst game of the playoffs. Rob looking very slow, not playing the second half. Um, but yeah, game seven, I mean, talk about a roller coaster of emotions. I, I, I want to tell the story, Jordan, of how, uh, how I thought you were going to hate me for the rest of my life. So, oh, you're good, yeah. So Jordan, Jordan decides to text me in the second quarter. In the second quarter of, of this game, and, and for those of you who, who know Jordan, he likes to call games early, or he likes to he likes to throw out these these things early. He came and watched the uh, what was that the the March Madness finals with yeah. us, posting on Instagram at halftime. UNC that <laughs> we got this, we got this, and then they go on to blow the biggest halftime lead in uh, NCAA finals history. Uh, in basketball finals history. So Jordan sends me the eye emoji and I'm already, this is like, I think at this point, I think the Celtics were up 15, but maybe by the time I saw it, they were only up eight. And I just said, Jordan, do not text me. Like, <laughs> and he, he did a good job. I'll give him credit. I was ready for him to like rip me. And I was like, I was like, even if he rips me, I'm just putting my phone away. Like I, I can't do this. And then sure enough, I mean, it was like the Celtics got up by 10, 12, he got it down to three Celtics get up by eight, nine, he get it down to three. It's just like one of those. And I'm glad we kind of stopped texting. Cause I have a feeling you would have texted me when they were up 13 with three minutes left and said, this <laughs> over, congrats on the finals. And everyone, thankfully I was watching with four other people, Mitch being one of them, who's watched most of the games with me knows better than to say <laughs> like this game's like everyone who was watching with me. I mean, I've watched plenty of Celtics games and the fact that like that Jimmy Butler shot almost t- like, it took five years off my life. I, whenever I'm supposed to die, like just take five years off of that. (laughs) And and every Celtics fan thought that was going And I'm sorry. You, you can't say you you didn't think that was going in. I I thought it was going in, but also I'm shocked. He didn't try to drive through Al Horford and draw a foul. Jimmy Butler was making, let's put it this way. I I mean, people that watch the game know, Every contestant shot he had, he made most of them. And every open shot he had, he missed the majority. Of yeah. Them. Oh, like crazy, crazy how that works for some players. Yeah. I mean, even the, the and ones or the continuation plays in the second quarter Unreal. really, really kept the heat in that game. Bam out of bio had one put back over Grant. 
Um, I believe Jimmy had two or three in the yeah, third two. quarter alone. Yeah, um, one yeah, was two, Horford yeah. literally made a perfect play and just happened to touch his wrist, yeah. and he finished on it. Like, yeah, yeah. so – and those, those plays kept them in the game in the second quarter. I mean, the Celtics, it was – I was saying it the entire game. It's like the Celtics should be up by 20, 25, and we're sitting there up like thir- between – you know, teetering between 10 and 15, and it's like this game should be out of reach. And that's how I felt. I mean, in game six, we, we got the lead. I believe we were up – 46 42 right before the end of the half and then we let up two offensive rebounds and a turnover and the heat take advantage and, and have the league going into halftime yeah. um the end of game six Derek white hits a three to put us up 97 94 and what do the heat do they go on an 11 2 run so that's why i was i mean i knew better than to say that game was over in the fourth <laughs> quarter up 13 Struce hits a couple tough shots gets a put back of all things like we we won what a, we won. What a hot and cold player Struce. Yeah, I mean, what's well, games games four and five? He didn't make it. He was oh of he was 0 14. Yeah, oh, something like yeah, that. Yeah. It was bad. I mean, even Kyle Lowry, you could tell he was hurting in game six. I don't know what they put in the juice that they were feeding uh, feeding the Heat. But Butler, Lowry, Struce, all having huge games. Gabe Vincent hit a couple clutch threes. Gabe Vincent, he's a solid player. I'll I'll give him. I I like oh, the Vincent's way he's great. Yeah. Um, and that's a great find. I mean, that's what the Heat do. But yeah, no, I just want to. Yeah, Celtics are in the finals. I mean, J- Jalen Brown, all Jason Tatum, all the shit we heard earlier this year, break up the Jays, fire Eme was rampant, rampant. Ha- early half of the season. All we, had to, all we had to do is take time. Al Horford, I mean, even I'll, I'll be honest with the Al Horford trade. I love Al Horford as a player and a person, but even I was questioning that back in June. Yeah, we we Walker and a first-round pick. The first-round pick kind of confused me, but now obviously well worth it. And then all the people just – bashing me i mean you saw my i i saw you like my tweet today i put it out there when when uh we we re-signed marcus smart i said the celtics shouldn't win a championship now i thought maybe it would be with him as the sixth man because we had just signed dennis Schroeder at that point i didn't know who was going to be starting who coming off the bench but i mean this team man this this team it's it's something i i've been saying it i mean we said it probably in february we thought this team was going to the finals and it's i mean they made it harder on themselves by far losing some some Game five against the Bucks at home, game six against Miami at home. Some games that really this these series probably really should have only gone five or six games. Yeah. And you can't do this against the Warriors. The Warriors, you make mistakes, they are going to take advantage of you. Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson are gonna pop wide open threes, yeah. unlike Jimmy Butler and and Max Struess for two games. Like no one's gonna go cold for two games on the Warriors. So no. um gonna be a battle-tested series, but I mean, just for all the all the shit that was talked and you saw the players celebrate, I think more so than, than normal when getting to the finals, I feel like. And, and it was well-deserved. I mean, we, the, the nets are not your normal seven seed. The nets were first in the Eastern conference until early February when KD went down, the bucks are the defending champions. The heat knocked you out of the bubble two years ago and we're the one seed yeah, in this. Conference. Best, yeah. Yeah. So, and we, and we had some tough, we had a tough game back with them at the end of March, really, if it went down to the wire, if we won that game, we're probably the one seed, but you know, they're a good team despite being injured. We're injured too. Um, so I feel like this is a finals run. I mean, you can go back and look at every LeBron finals run when he was on Miami or Cleveland. I don't think he had anything ever as tough as this Celtics team had to face this year. Um, going up against, you know, all stars, all NBA players, all defensive players, all famers. Oh, yeah, future. I mean, you probably KD, Kyrie, Giannis, Drew Holiday. Maybe. I would say Jimmy Butler too. Jimmy Butler definitely. Even even I, I doubt it, but maybe Kyle Lowry. Like I know I would hard. say Kyle Lowry. Maybe yeah, Kyle Lowry's an NBA champion. Bam out of bio down the future. I mean, all stars. We 
probably played, you know, I'm not going to say Victor Oladipo because he's not the same player he once was. I know Kyle Lowry's not the same player he once was, but it was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a series. Yeah, I agree. It was, it was interesting too, because that first five games of that series, there was what, maybe eight total lead changes. I mean, there's a lot of wire to wire wins, um, both the Celtics in game two and game uh, four and game seven was a wire to wire win, but obviously I came down to the end. But uh, I mean, I feel like I haven't let you talk much on this series other than Jimmy Butler going off. Oh, I'm good. No, that's it's your team. Like, I don't mind giving you the four. I do want to talk about um, on basketball reference, they have the four factors in a series, which usually the four factors, I, I think their stats say 94% of the time it determines who the winner is. Mm-hmm. And if it's a split between the four factors, then it matters the offensive rating and points and whoever leads in those is usually going to win the series. So I want to run through those. So the first factor is effective field goal percentage. So Boston had a better effective field goal percentage by uh, 53% to 47.6%. Turnover percentage, uh, Miami had a 10.6 turnover percentage. Boston had a 14% turnover possession. So it's one and one right now. Offensive rebound percent uh, percentage, Miami 23.1, Boston 22.7, so Miami's up 2-1 there. And then free throws per field goal uh, field goal attempt, Boston thir- um, 304 to Miami's 196. Wow. So for every field goal made, Boston had 3.04 field, uh, free throw attempts. Yeah. Which is nuts. So they split 2-2 there, and Boston, and this is the tell who wins the series, Boston had an offensive rating of one, uh, 112.3. Miami had a 106.6. And then points per game, Boston had 105 to Miami 99.7. Yeah. So usually offensive rating and points, whoever has more, normally they go hand-in-hand. Hand. If you have more offensive rating, you normally have more points. And if you have more points, you usually have a higher offensive rating. Um, Boston obviously had the upper hand in that. So, yeah. Yeah, um, and then pace factor, they both had 93.5 possessions per 48 minutes. So they, they literally had the same amount of possessions for on average. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, and would also like to point out, I know I just mentioned him a little bit, Al Horford, leading plus minus player in this entire series. I know in that Buck series was Derek White. So I know Tatum and Brown are playing a lot of minutes and smart when he's fully healthy or playing a lot of minutes, but so their plus minuses might not reflect as much, but definitely shows that these moves that Brad, Brad Stevens made these moves, Brad Stevens, the guy who I personally wanted out as head coach last year. And I'm glad they kept him on in the role he's in because the moves he's made between Al and, uh, and Derek white have just been, they're the reason we're here right now. No Al Horford, no Derek white. We're not in this spot. I know Josh Richardson had a solid season with us this year, but Derek white, I mean, I saw something today. I believe he had, guarding Lowry, Struess, Vincent, and Oladipo. I think he gave up a total of seven points this series between the four of them when he was on them. Um, and switching off to Butler, I feel like he played pretty solid defense on Jimmy Butler, forcing him to pass as well. So um, that's just been something – that's just been – something that's great as well. Yeah. Um, I, I just – I feel – I don't I don't want to say I feel bad for the Heat – but Duncan Robinson's making ninety million over five years and averaged fifteen point one minutes in five games played. Yeah, and a lot of that was garbage time. 
a lot of that was, I mean, he didn't even play in all seven games. He didn't play in game seven. I he did start. I think he played in, I think he played in game six. I don't think he played in game one. I think he set out game one. Um, I think game two, they brought him in when that game was already out. Not a blowout, but when it was probably about a 20 point game in the second quarter, I believe they brought him in just to try to get him going. If you get him hot, maybe you get back in that game, but yeah. he couldn't, he couldn't find a stroke. So yeah. Um, and why, why pull him out? I know, like I said, I know Struce had that, that rough stretch, but still, I mean, you saw what he did in game seven. He can pop off at any time. Vincent went off at the end of game one. Um, so when you have those hot hands and obviously hero, I know he didn't play much, but when you have that him and Butler who can also go off at any time, literally, I think it's tough. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, just, just happy for this team, man. I mean, I was, I almost cry. I actually almost cried. Not when they won, when they almost blew it just because, I feel it for these guys. Like, like these are the guys, you know, Jalen Brown, this is his fourth conference finals. I know he didn't play much his rookie season. Um, that was also against Cleveland when Isaiah Thomas was out. Um, but then, I mean, Jason Tatum, this is his third in five years. Horford, this is his third or third with the Celtics because he missed the bubble year. Marcus Smart's obviously been here. I mean, he was the sixth overall pick in 2014. And he is Marcus Smart has never missed the playoffs in his career. Wow. Playoffs. When he was drafted, he was drafted sixth overall. That's how bad the Celtics were right after they – made the big three trade and you know that trade turned into you know Jalen Brown Jason Tatum yeah. um, future draft stock as well so it's just been it's been a long time coming for this Celtics team they've been so close so many times before so you know definitely great that they're here I think they match up well with the Warriors if I'm being quite transparent That's uh, yeah 100 not, I would not a homer take by any means the Warriors have not had a matchup like this all postseason um, so I want to do kind of look ahead. I don't know what your early, I don't even say early because it's Tuesday and the series starts on Thursday, but I don't know what your thoughts are going into this series. So you want me to just tell you who I think wins? Yeah. Yeah. Who, who wins and why? So I, I don't think the Celtics win in seven. I don't think they win in six. I think the Celtics win in five. That you're the first person i feel like anyone even people picking the warriors i feel like are saying at least six i think it's five because when you look at the depth of uh, yes the warriors are very deep i'm gonna give them that but you have an answer for steph curry in marcus smart you have an answer for clay thompson in jalen brown you have an answer for andrew wiggins in um jason tatum you have an answer for Draymond Green and Al Horford. You have an answer for Looney and Wiseman with Robert Williams. And even you know Wiseman's not playing, right? Oh, he's not playing? No. I had no idea. Either Okay, so Looney, even better. Mm-hmm. Give Rob, Robert Williams an easier job. Like, then bench players, Jordan Poole, Derek White, or Peyton Pritchard. Like, they, they match up so well. And I think the Warriors haven't played a defense as good as – the Celtics, they played teams that have good defensive players. Like they played Jokic. They played Luka. They played who they, who they played in the second round. The, the uh, Grizzlies. Grizzlies. Okay. John Morant missed most of that time, but he, he's a solid defender. Um, Jaren Jaren, Jackson, Jaren yeah. Jackson, a good All defender. Defense. Yeah. Um, Desmond Bain is a decent defender. You know, they haven't played a team that has complete all around all great defenders like the Celtics do. You know, like it, it's the fact that Jalen Brown is their worst defender out of all the starters is mind boggling because yeah. I would say he's a top 25 defender in this league. If we really want to look at a full season breakdown of 
defensive rating, turnovers forced, um, defensive rebounds. You want to look at that side of it. Jalen Brown's a top 25 guy right now, at least in the backcourt. Um, so they haven't played a complete defense like this. And in the same aspect, they haven't played a complete offense like this. You can say the same thing. Grizzlies, or Grizzlies, John Morant, Desmond Bain. Okay, great. Mavs, if Spencer Diddy played well, Brunson played well, and then Luka. Great. Uh, Jokic was literally the only offensive threat. They haven't played a complete offense and a complete defense. And I think the Celtics are going to go in and run. They're going to run through the Warriors. Maybe the Warriors sneak out game one or game two. I, I would be shocked if this series goes to seven. I, I won't be shocked if it goes to six, but I really think the Celtics have their number offensively and defensively. The only thing that could beat them is Stephen Clay making stupid shots, which Jimmy Butler was making some dumb shots, but yeah. we saw that didn't last every single game. And that's not going to last every game for Steph Clay, Jordan Poole, even Andrew Wiggins. Like it's not going to yeah. last for them all, all along. And I honestly don't think Draymond is going to be able to compete with Horford and Robert Williams on the, um, and, and even Jason Tatum. He's probably going to guard Tatum every now and again. Um, I don't think he's going to be able to keep up with that concert rotation of big guys. Yeah. It's, it's my pick. And I've been saying it every series and I've been dead wrong ever. I shouldn't say dead wrong. Cause I'm close in some of these series, but I've said Celtics in six, every series. They haven't won any in six. They swept Brooklyn won the last two and seven. I'm going to say Celtics in six. I'm going to say Celtics in six plus one. That's what plus I'm going to say. Okay. Call it. Um, just because I feel like for some reason we cannot close out these series at home, which sucks, but whatever. But no, I mean, Memphis shot – Memphis. Golden State shot 50% in that series against Dallas. We cannot allow that. That happens. We're toast. We cannot turn the ball over. The stupid turnovers. I don't know the exact yeah, – that's, that's valid. I saw something, I think it was after game three, when the Celtics have over 17 turnovers, I believe it is, this playoffs. They're O and I believe after game six now, they'll probably be 0 and 4, um, I believe. And then when they have under 17, they are, what are they, 12 and 2. So, and not, and like I said, the Warriors, other than Draymond, really don't scare me defensively. I think Kaminga's a solid defender. He can stretch. Gary Payton isn't bad, but I know he's had some injury trouble too. So I don't even really know if he's playing all that much. But I think, Smart can drive past Steph. So, and Steph is a solid defender. Steph is a very, very solid defender. You make lazy passes on him like you were doing in that Heat series, and he's going to do what Jimmy Butler did to you and take the ball away and score too. Um, but Clay doesn't scare me defensively. Jordan Poole sure as hell does not scare me defensively. And I agree with you. I think it's going to be tough for Steph to find openings, especially, you know, and, and I think everyone's, you know, making a big deal of the Marcus Smart-Steph Curry matchup. I'm really intrigued by the Derek White Steph Curry matchup because Derek White, you see him, he's very quick on his feet. I know Marcus has that ankle injury right now, so you don't know how how well he is moving on that. I think you're going to see Derek White play a lot of minutes in this series, just like he did in that Miami series. I think you're going to see him guarding Steph on the perimeter. Um, I think Jason Tatum, you'll probably, like you said, see him on Andrew Wiggins, I would imagine. Um, maybe even Clay, and you switch Jalen off to Wiggins. I know we saw it in the Heat series. We saw it in the Bucks series a lot. The teams are going to try to get smart off of the primary ball handler um, and rotate that way. If Pritchard does get some minutes, I know they're going to try to get him on Steph, him on Clay, him on even Draymond down in the post if they can. Um, so I'm really intrigued by this series. Um, I think Celtics in six. I think it's going to be, you know, I, I think I think we're going to split in Golden State. I think we're going to split in Boston. I think this is going to be a two-two series. Yeah. 
I can see that after, after game four and it's going to be a best of three uh, come game five. But um, yeah, I'm excited to be in California for this series too. It's going to be awesome. I'm not going to game two. I, I spent my money on game six because I thought we could clinch it at home. Um, also tickets are triple for the finals. <laughs> what I, uh, what they are for, for what I paid for game six, which is nuts. Um, but I will make sure to post a picture outside. Uh, it's now the chase center, I believe is the new center. Uh, with my Jalen Brown jersey on. Um, and that'll be after game one. So I really hope the Celtics pull out game one. So the shit talking isn't that bad when I'm in Oakland. There you go. Yeah. Um, the one thing, so I do want to go over, they play twice this year, obviously, as yep. most teams will play. Um, not most yep. teams, all teams. In all a- Western and Eastern. Twice. Yeah, they put, and they split 1-1, right? Each home team lost. Yep. So they split 1-1. So the first game was December 17th. That was a 111-107 Golden State win. And again, this is December 17th. The Boston Celtics were not the Boston Celtics yet. That we had Josh right. Richardson and Dennis Schroeder still playing for us. And I think yeah, Ennis yeah. Cantor probably, or Ennis Freedom, sorry, played in the yeah. Ennis Freedom, yeah, totally. Um, and then game two, there's a caveat for this game, but the Boston won 110 to 88. But this is also the game Mark Smart dove for the ball and Steph Curry's ankles got yeah. rolled up underneath him. So there is that caveat to it. Both these teams are nowhere near the same that they were even in March. Like Jordan Poole is a much has a much more impactful player. So is Kaminga. Thank you for reminding me. But you go to the Boston side. Boston since that game, I think they besides the postseason, I think they lost three regular season games from that point on until playoffs. Like yeah, I know. Miami, they lost to Miami. They lost to Toronto. I would like to say, and that was without four starters. Yeah. Um. I think they lost those games. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't lose much the rest of the regular season. I know that much. They they finished strong through the finish line. Yeah, I think the the more I look at this matchup and the more I look at players versus. I mean, I didn't even mention Grant Williams. He'd be a great third option to just roll into versus any of their big men besides Looney, probably. Um, You know, the the only problem with Grant Williams is that he just gets calls for the tickiest tack of fouls. And the fact he reacts to it makes it easier to get the calls on him. Yeah. Ime, um, Ime has talked to him, Tatum, yeah. Brown. I know that's been a big topic of conversation. I think you saw it after game one when they gave up that huge run. He told him to cut yeah. the shit. And they pretty much have cut the shit, other than maybe Grant. But they've all cut the shit. Ugh. But, no, I'm excited. It's going to be a good series. So, um, there are picks. We'll drop a graphic for it. But uh, that's that's what we got. Let's kick it over to baseball now. Um, I'm really, really happy with how the Yankees are playing. Um, Garrett Cole in the past, you know, three starts, 26 Ks is really solid. Um, Not to toot the Yankees horn a little too much before we get into anything, but Mm -hmm. they are tied for the best record in the MLB. They did have the best record in the MLB about four or five games about a week and a half ago. Now they're tied with the Dodgers, with the Mets close on their tail. Um. But it's been a super unprecedented season. I mean, the Diamondbacks, the fact that they're close to 500 when they were supposed to be the worst team in the MLB is pretty crazy. Um, I mean, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure we all expected the Cubs, the Tigers, Nationals, the Reds to be kind of low um, this season. But the Twins being up there is crazy. White Sox not being near the top is crazy. But yeah, what are your uh, what are, Orioles? I mean, we're quarter way through the season. What are your thoughts so far? 
Yeah, I mean, what are we for? Red Sox are forty nine games, and so actually almost looks to fifty four. I believe is the third third of the way mark. So that's true. Uh, we'll be there by the end of the week. Um, I am so yeah. I will say. I mean, the Red Sox have fought back. Obviously, losing three of five this weekend to the Orioles wasn't great, especially the way Game One went. Obviously, that happened during Game Six of the Celtics series. The, Cel- the Red Sox were up eight one in the eighth and lost twelve eight. Um, can't really be doing that. Um, but I've liked the way their offenses looked. Obviously, exploding. Um, Bobby Dahlbeck's hit a couple homers this year's Trevor story. I mean, holy shit. You want to talk about the, one of the hottest hitters in baseball uh, over his last 15 day, or 15 games, 22 RBIs, eight homers, uh, OPS of 1185. I don't even have the stats from the last month. I mean, I can pull them up, um, but he the has 14 days, seven on, more runs. Yeah, absolute tear. Let me see. I think I have it here. Yeah. Trevor Story uh, in the last month, uh, nine homers, 32 RBI, still only hitting 227 during that time, um, but he's making his at-bats count. I mean, he's driving in runs. He's hitting a ton of homers, which is great. He's playing a solid second base for what we got him for, so he's been a big reason for this turnaround. The starting pitching for the Red Sox hasn't been terrible, hasn't been the best, but hasn't been terrible. Nate Evaldi throwing a complete game the other day. I believe Nick Pavetta had a complete game the day after we last recorded. So um, he's been really solid so far. And then also just want to shout out to uh, Rafi Devers. I know he was my preseason pick uh, for the AL MVP. I know Aaron judge has had a really solid year. Mike Trout's obviously had a really great year as well, but I think if Rafi Devers keeps this, keeps this up, he's one of the only players um, in baseball right now that's on pace to have 200 hits. I think at one point he was a pace to have 220, which is crazy for a guy that hits for the power that he hits for. Um, and in his last two weeks as well, I mean, his average is almost 100 points higher than Trevor Story at 375, has an OPS just a little below Trevor Story at 1146. Um, and he has five home runs himself in that stretch. So only seven RBIs to show for it, but still. Um, he's been just unbelievable. I really hope the Red Sox can extend him. JD Martinez, obviously, actually, I didn't know this till today, the, uh, JD Martinez leads the American league at batting average. So, um, he's going to be another guy. I know we're all saying resign Xander, resign Devers, but JD can still hit. And with the way that the, uh, the national league now has that universal DH, there's going to be a lot of teams that want JD Martinez this off season as well. 100%. Um, yeah. Um, other guys though, Mookie Betts. I know he had a pretty crappy start to the year as well, but in his last two weeks, basically doing better than what Trevor Story's doing. Eight homers as well, 16 ribbies coming from the leadoff spot, a 414 average, an OPS of just shy of 1,500 at 1448, um, 10 strikeouts and nine walks. So I know Mookie, you know, for a leadoff guy, he does strike out a little bit more, but he also hits for that power. So for him being able to get on base, get those walks, um, 500 on base percentage is huge. And I mean, that's going to get him back into the all-star and, and MVP conversation. Um, so he's been great. I mean, Trey Turner, my NL MVP pick in the last two weeks is hitting 339 as well. He has 17 RBIs in that time. Um, so I'm excited. My baseball trip is this week. So I'm excited to be going to Dodger stadium. Um, haven't seen Mookie play in a long time. Um, I believe they're playing the Mets too, who are in first place. So that's actually going to be a really great game. Back-to-back days, I get to see the Mets. Um, I'll see them at Dodger Stadium, and then I'll see them at Petco Park against the Padres, who have been playing really well so far this year as well. They're ahead of the Giants now. Wow. Yeah, I I got to – you you took all my points away. I was going to talk about Mookie Betts. Oh, story. No, you're good. I do want to talk about Jock Peterson, though, because 
Yeah. I, mean, I mean, obviously, like, you had the fantasy football altercation with um, <laughs> Tommy Pham. Yeah, Tommy Pham, right? Um, but outside of that, he's done really well. In the past 14 days, he's second – or he's fourth in OPS with a 1.294. He's hit four home runs, 13 ribbies. He's been walked six times. Um, he, he's been doing everything you want out of a veteran 30-year-old player on a team like the Giants who are a good team. They're just, you know, not as good as last year, obviously. But they're still figuring it out. They're putting the pieces together. Um, I think they'll be completely fine come a couple weeks. But, um, you know, obviously they probably won't touch what they did last year because that was super unprecedented for what they did. But yeah. still, for, for a veteran player like Jock Peterson, that's exactly what you're looking for. He's been playing insanely well for them. Um, Jose Ramirez is also playing well, too. Jorge Solar is doing really solid. So there, there's a lot of – I mean, Aaron Judge is obviously Aaron Judge. He's playing like he wants a big-time contract. He leads the MLB in home runs, and it's not even close. Um, so been really cool to see there. On the pitching side of things – no one really has stood out as of late. Maybe Framber Valdez um, pitched 23 innings as a 1.96 ERA in the past three games, which is really solid, 18 Ks, which isn't a great K per nine, but still 18 Ks and to have that low of an ERA is really solid. Tyler Anderson has played great pitching too, a 0.86 ERA in 21 innings, 21 strikeouts. So on a per inning basis, playing better than uh, Framber, but still – um, I, I think those two are really the only pitching highlights I had, but over, I mean, yeah. it's been a really fun MLB season to watch. Yeah, over. no, I, uh, I actually had one myself, Alec Manoa from, uh, Toronto. He has been light mm. surprised I haven't mentioned him earlier. Cause I know Toronto is one of my picks, um, to obviously win the division right now. They're sitting in third, but there's still a lot of time left. I feel like, and their run differential right now is negative one, which is a little surprising. But Manoa um, in nine starts has a whip under one, opponent's batting average of 206 and a 177 ERA. I know Nestor Cortez we talked about too. Um, I believe last time or the time before, but he's still shoving. Opponents are only hitting 175 against him. Um, and then I do want to, I do want to give a shout out. Um, I may have talked about him early in the season last year for the Red Sox because he was having a solid start to the year and then got moved to the bullpen. But Martin Perez of the Texas Rangers signing there on a one year, $4 million deal, absolutely shoved against the Red Sox in his revenge game, if you want to call it, um, a couple weeks back. But a 160 ERA, he has thrown a complete game this year, a whip just a hair under one. 44 strikeouts to 14 walks. I know walks were a big problem for him last year. I mean, for a guy that's more of a sinker, sinker ball pitcher, um, for him to be doing what he's doing, only 10 earned runs as well in 56 innings, um, I think that's that's unbelievable. So I'm very happy for him. I know the Rangers aren't where they want to be right now after those big signings of uh, Seager and Simeon. And I don't know if Marcus Simeon has a home run yet still. I know as of last week, he did, I think, as of Thursday of last week, he did not have a home run in a Texas Rangers uniform uh, after hitting 44 last year. Um, so curious. I don't know how that's looking, but yeah, no, I'm curious now. You looking it up? Yeah, I'm trying to find it. My computer is just being really slow. Yeah, um, but I know the Rangers aren't where they want to be. I feel like too, with just while you're looking that up, just with the standings, I mean, I feel like everything other than maybe the Twins being where they are, like. You know, you knew the AL East was going to be a four-team race. I know the Red Sox didn't have the start they quite wanted. 
Um, but still they're, they're climbing back into the mix. The White Sox, I think are going to figure it out. I know they're still only, you know, they're five games back in Minnesota. Minnesota has been a good surprise, but I feel like a lot of the surprises that have happened are like negative surprises, like the Mariners being 20 and 28 right now. Um, the Braves and Phillies being under 500 right now, especially the Phillies, just the way they've been losing games um, after signing Schwarber and Castellanos has just not panned out the way you wanted it to be. Um, but really, other than that, you kind of hit the nail on the head. The NL West, the NL Central, AL East, AL West, other than the Mariners, really have all kind of panned out. I mean, the division leaders, we got Dodgers, Brewers, Mets, I think. I'd say that's a good surprise for them. I think people were expecting them to be good. I know Scherzer is going to be missing some time, which isn't great. Um, but Pete Alonso had a great month of May. I know Lindor's coming back around after a really down year last year and losing. I think has been playing really solid as well. Yeah, yeah. I know uh, Eduardo Escobar had a really nice catch the other night and a walk-off hit against, I believe it was the Phillies as well. Um, so they've been a, you know, a surprise, I guess the tigers have been a little bit of a negative surprise. I don't think they were going to win the division this year, probably even make the playoffs, but I've had them being on the cusp of 500 They're 12 games under, I believe they have a worse record than the Orioles right now. Um, and I will say the Orioles actually are a surprise right now. They're not the worst team in the American league. They're actually winning percentage wise fifth worst, um, in the American league, which isn't that bad considering, um where they've fallen in the american league standings the last few years um so maybe they are coming back around maybe the red sox losing three or five actually isn't the worst thing i mean obviously you want to beat the bad teams but um for sure i think it's super exciting um marcus simeon has hit a home run this year yeah okay so it must have happened in all the games leading up to that home run he had a 177 batting average and a 465 ops with nine total ribbies Including that game where he did hit the home run since then, if reference wants to cooperate with me, that'd be fantastic. He has a 320 batting average. And by the way, this is in six games. Okay. So 320 batting average, a 920 OPS, and eight ribbies and one home run and one triple. In six yeah. games compared to the previous, let me pull this up, in the previous 40 games. So he has almost as many home runs and more ribbies in the past six games than his previous 40 before he hit that home run. Yeah. No, so maybe he'll turn it back around. I hope he does. He's a, he's a good guy from what I've heard. I mean, uh, yeah. So. Total on the season, he still has a 197 batting average, which obviously is terrible for a guy like that. Um, but like I said, 320 in the past six games, like that's – Yes, it's six games as a small sample size compared to the rest of the season. But if this is the part where a season starts to kick up, like that's, that's yeah. awesome. Good for him. I mean, Rangers too are just one game under 500. I know it's not, I want to say it's too early to start looking at the wild card standings, especially with the third wild card team. I don't think it's ever too early to start looking at that. Only three games back of the Angels who have been struggling. They're three and seven in their last 10. Um, and I believe they've lost their last five as well. Um, and they have a tough stretch coming up. I know they're, I'll be seeing the Red Sox there. I know that'll be a tough stretch for them. Um, so, you know, and Simeon too, you know, he wasn't much of an average guy to begin with. If he hits 230 or 240, but still hits, you know, 25 to 30 homers and can still drive in 70 to 80 runs, that's more than a lot of second basemen. And he's a good defender as well. That's more than a lot of second basemen are doing across this league. So um, the, the thing I, I do want to say in these past six games, he's been going off. He has been hitting in the one hole where earlier yeah. in the season, the majority of the games he was hitting in the two hole. So that could be making a difference to making him the secure number one guy in the lineup. 
Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's a lineup shake. I mean, that's what Trevor story was. He was batting lead off for us for the beginning of the year when Kike wasn't hitting, we've dropped him to second. He's been hitting sixth, seventh now, and he's been killing the shit out of the ball. So sometimes it's just hitting in a different spot of the lineup, mixing things up, having different guys on in front of you. Um, you know, we were, like I said, we were putting story ahead of guys like Xander Devers, JD. Now when he's behind those guys and he does get his hits, guys are on base more times than none. And that's resulting in a 30 RBI month. This is a stupid example, but when I played Little League, I was usually the five, six all hitter, sometimes a seven. In our first playoff game in the last year I ever played competitive baseball, they put me in the two hole in a playoff game, and my first hit was a triple. Like, it, like putting yourself, like, just moving you around the lineup can do a lot for a hitter, especially those first few games. So hopefully Simeon doesn't die down after these first ten games he's hitting in the one hole consistently. But you're exactly right. Like that can, psychologically and also physically, that can change a lot of factors for a player either moving up or moving down the lineup. Like there are some hitters who, I, I mean, look at Aaron Judge. Like he was hitting in the four hole or the three hole for most of his career until the past maybe, what, three years? They moved him to the two hole. And he's been, now that he's solidified in the two hole, this is the best year he's had of his career. Like, at 30 years old like that's not normal for an mlb player especially who had an incredible quote-unquote rookie season you know same thing yeah same thing with mookie betts he he came up was our leadoff hitter 2016 he was on fire and then mid-august john farrell decided to move him to the four hole move david ortiz to three and he just i mean he still had a great year finished second in mvp voting he stopped hitting 2017 ortiz retires they keep him in the three four hole for pretty much that whole year and then what happens? We sign J.D. Martinez. Alex Cora comes in as manager. We put him back in the leadoff hole, and he wins an MVP, and we win a World Series. It's yeah. it's and, and he's never looked back since. I think in 2019, Cora tried to move him to second, and that lasted all of like six games. Um, the Dodgers were smart enough. Dave Roberts was smart enough to keep him in the one hole when he got traded to the Dodgers, and he's arguably by the time he retires could be one of the best leadoff hitters of all time. Um, okay. I really think so. So um, yeah, no, I'm excited. Do want to throw out a side note? I will be in California. I know I've said it, but we got Oakland Friday and Saturday, Dodger Stadium Sunday. So making a trip down there, San Diego at Petco Park on Monday, uh, LA Angels or Anaheim Angels. I guess the stadium is in Anaheim on Tuesday. Wednesday, we get an off day and it works out perfectly because that was the plan all along. And that is when game three is. So I will be able to watch game three, not a stadium. Um, game, what was it? Thursday, I'll be at the Giants. And then Friday, we are flying out to Seattle. We're going to see the Red Sox Mariners wrapping up there. Uh, game four of the NBA Finals will be on. So I hope the Celtics I, – I want them to sweep, but I don't want them to sweep low-key um, because I don't want to be in Seattle when they clinch. But yeah. looking forward to this trip. It's going to be a lot of fun. Taking a tour of SoFi, Jordan. Um, so I know you'll – I'll send some – I'll definitely send you some pictures of that. Um, Seattle, we were trying to get a tour of their stadium, but they're doing a coffee fest or a beer fest that day. So, uh, tickets are very expensive for that and not worth it. So we'll try to walk around the stadium. The, the baseball and, uh, football stadiums are right across the street from each other in Seattle. Um, and like I said, I'm definitely going to try to at least get to the chase center so I can get shit thrown at me in San Francisco by a bunch of warriors fans. Yeah. But I I hope that goes well for you. I'm just kidding. I'm not going on a game day. Like I'm going to go like Friday, Saturday, like, you know, maybe I'll see Jalen Brown just chilling or something. I doubt it. Probably. Yeah. Cool. Um, that's all I got for baseball though. 
Yeah. You want to kick it over to football? Yeah. So we're going to do our NFC playoff teams. I know we did our AFC playoff teams last time around. Um, I feel like much hasn't changed on my end for the AFC, but NFC, I, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I'm curious to see what you have with the Cardinals and such, but um, I don't know. You want me to go first? I think you went first last time. You want me to go first? You want to kick it off? You can kick it off. You got it. All right. So I did, I forgot to do records again, but this is kind of how I see it going based off of divisions as well. Um, So one seed winning the South, I got the Bucks. I think the Bucks will jump back up to one Tom Brady returning. They've, they've done a good amount of work in this off season. Um, Two, I have the Cowboys. I just think with the a, the NFC East being as weak as it still is, um, and their schedule being relatively easier, I think they're going to be at the two seed. I got Rams three, still in a tough NFC West division. I know 49ers, we don't really know what the deal is there, but the Cardinals are still a solid team. Um, four winning the a, a, NFC North. I have you say the Vikings. I'm going to say the Vikings. I, I have wow. the Vikings. I, I think they've improved defensively. I think Justin Jefferson is going to have. I mean, he's been a top three to five receiver in his first two years in the league. I think he's going to continue on that path. Um, You know, they're getting Irv Smith back. I think Dalvin Cook might be able to stay healthy. If Dalvin Cook can stay healthy, Madison's obviously a solid backup option as well. Um, You know, Thielen can stay healthy. Uh, KJ Osborne isn't a bad deep threat as well, too. Can spread the the field for uh, Justin Jefferson, so... I got the Vikings greatly improved also. I, I, yeah, that defense, like I said, I think uh, Zadarius Smith, I believe, is there now. Yeah, they got Zadarius um, Smith, Daniel Hunter's coming back yeah. after missing basically two full seasons. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I think the Vikings, I think the Vikings make a run. They had a disappointing run la- or disappointing season last year um, and the year before. I believe they didn't make the playoffs in 2020. Yeah. So um, I have them at four. I do have the Cardinals repeating at five. Um, Kyler coming back and some of that drama, I think, is going to trickle away. I know D-Hop won't be there to start the year, but your guys' defense has definitely improved as well. I mean, you lost Jones, but um, your defense has improved. Six, I still have the Packers. I think as long as Aaron Rodgers is, is starting quarterback there, they're not going to miss the playoffs. Um, I know they haven't really done much, but I just feel like they always find their their way in year in and year out. Um, and then seven, this was tough. I was debating between two teams. I have the saints. I really like Jameis. I think Jameis is going to have a really good year. If Michael Thomas can stay healthy and can be a non-distraction to this team, I think him and Jameis will have a really good connection. I mean, even without Michael Thomas, you got Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry there yeah. with Tyran Matthew on the defensive side. I mean, yeah. so it'll be, and it'll be tough. Too. Yeah. And it'll be tough too, without Sean, like first year without Sean Payton. But again, I just, I don't know. It was between the Saints and Eagles for me there, and I just felt like I had to go Saints. I don't think the Eagles have done – I mean, A.J. Brown obviously helps in a lot of ways, but is that the is that the one missing piece they needed to win the division? I don't know. Yeah. The, no. It's funny because with the Eagles, you look at what rookie Devontae Smith did with Jalen Hurts sure. as his QB. Like, I think Jalen Hurts right now, out of all the QBs playing at their best, is – arguably a top 15 guy he was my number 12 guy this past season which a lot of people are going to argue with me about but for what he had to deal with injuries on the offensive line and a shitty receiving core and virtually no running game besides himself and a defense that really couldn't keep let the offense get playing time I thought he did a great job um so I I'm excited to what what is year three is going to look like especially yeah. now with AJ Brown Dallas Goddard is the solidified tight end one in that offense. Miles Sanders is back healthy, so maybe they run more. Um, who knows? But I'm really excited for what the Eagles can do. Um, 
So for my number one, I, I got the Packers again. I have them told them five. Okay. Um, I think the Packers are just a really good team, even though they spent like I, I got into Twitter beef with someone about this. I, I still think they probably if the Lions could have traded up and got in Jameson Williams, how come the Packers couldn't have traded up and traded their two first round picks where the Lions only had to trade one first round pick? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yes, they got Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker, two awesome Georgia defenders. Um, but me personally, I don't think they really needed a linebacker and an interior defensive line. I mean, yes, they got Christian Watson, Christian Watson at the 34th pick, but you're going to tell me you would rather have Christian Watson over Jameson Williams, George Pickens, David Bell. Like, y- yes, he was awesome. And, and he has great size and athleticism for what his play style is, but you have guys who played against much tougher and more NFL ready competition. I mean, look. And I hate to bring this up because it's different positions, but look at Carson Wentz. NDSU was great his first two years, but has done dog shit since. You know what I mean? Like Christian Watson could be a guy who does well right away, but once guys get film on him, who knows what he's going to do. But I still think the Packers play well because they do have, again, a top 10 defense, arguably a top five secondary um, with Eric Stokes coming into year two. And now they ain't Jair Alexander and they get him back for the full season. Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, the two secure edge rushers. No one's rotating. That should be fine. Um, so Packers at one. Number two, I have the Cowboys also at 12 and five. I believe yeah. I had the Cowboys losing their head to head against the Packers. Um, so I think the Cowboys at two. It's just, yes, they lost Amari Cooper. And yes, Michael Gallup's going to be hurt. But you bring in um, James Washington, who's going to be solid. I, I think. Jalen Tolbert might be his name is that other receiver they're going to have. And then you have CD lamb and Michael Gallup when healthy Dalton Schultz on a franchise tag, make or break season after an awesome eight touchdown, 800 yard season. He had the year before Zeke fully healthy. Yes. I know totally Tony Pollard's probably going to take a lot of snaps away from him, but that's a good two headed rushing attack offensive line. They figured out some of the kinks that defense is really solid. Michael Parsons year two is going to be solid. Yes, they lose Randy Gregory, but still a solid defense. So Cowboys are going to be good. Bucks I have at three going 11 and six. I just think they have a really tough schedule. Um, they play a lot of good top end teams. And they, they're going to drop some against them, but I think they'll be fine. Um, number four, I have the Rams winning the NFC West going 11 and six. Again, another team with a tough schedule. So I think it's just going to be one of those, but I think they'll be fine. And then five, six, and seven, all these teams go 10 and seven. At five, I have the Vikings. Six, I have the 49ers, regardless of Jimmy G or Trey Lance starting. And seven, the Arizona Cardinals after an 0 and 3 start. Okay. Arizona Cardinals 10 and seven, finishing the season 10 and four. I think they figure it out. They, They just have a really tough schedule right away with. The Rams, the Raiders, and the Buccaneers, their first three games. Um, I believe they played the Buccaneers week three. I could be wrong. Um, No, they play the Rams week three, excuse me. Um, But they have a really tough start of the schedule, and especially without D-Hop, it's not going to bode well. They did just pick up Darrell Williams in free agency, so that's going to be a really neat third down running back option. Quietly had 1,000 yards last year, which is really solid for a backup running back. Um, so maybe he'll take over that Chase Edmonds. Give it that. It was a thousand all-purpose yards, right? All-purpose, yes. All-purpose between yeah. rushing and receiving, which still a thousand yards yeah, in a season no. as a backup. Like that Clyde was hurt half the season, but still. Um, yeah, and that's a good backup option to have, like you just said, with Clyde being hurt. I mean, James Conner isn't a bad run. I mean, obviously he popped off, but he's had his fair share of injury troubles as well. And Chase Edmonds not being there too. 
hundred percent. Um, yeah, and and I and I only have the Cardinals at seven because I think they lose to the 49ers week eighteen. Just Forty ers going to be hungry, get in the playoffs. Cardinals are, are pretty much going to clinch, um, for the most part. But um, yeah, no, I think it's going to be a really fun season. Um, I NFC, I I mean AFC is wide open. NFC is wide open. I have. The Eagles missing at the eight seed at ten and seven just because of head to head matchups. I have the Lions nine and eight as the nine seed. I think, yeah, well, they they have kind of an easy schedule when you look at it. Um, the Saints, I also have nine and eight. I think they're. I have a five and one in the division and still missing. Who, playoffs, who do you right? have? Just out of curiosity, who do you have at the sixteen seed and what is their record with all these nine and eight, ten and seven teams? Panthers at two and fifteen. Okay. Panthers, what do you have? The, what do you have the Falcons at? I have the Falcons at six and eleven. I haven't been six okay. and six and then losing the last five in classic Falcons fashion. Yeah. Um yeah, and then the Seahawks three and four. I, I just think the Seahawks That's true. If they even get three wins, one they, they're traveling more than any other team in the NFL this year. They have an incredibly hard schedule. I think Drew Locke can be a serviceable QB for them, but I don't see him being a game changer or game breaker. They're going to have a backfield mayhem with Kenneth Walker, Rashad Penny, and friggin' what's-his-face, Chris Carson. Like, I just I – don't, I don't see the Seahawks. And their defense. And offensive line and defense is dog shit for the yeah. most part. Um, commanders, I don't think you're going to do anything special. Giants, Daniel Jones, I love him, but he is not the answer. Bears, yes, they have Justin Fields, but literally they're in another rebuilding year. Bears are going to be terrible. Um, you know – the, the really the only two teams that could threaten a playoff push are the Saints and the Eagles, in my opinion, and the Lions. Possibly just how easy their schedule is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I mean, if we look at the Lions' schedule, they play the Commanders, the Seahawks, um, the Bears, the Giants, the Jaguars. I mean, I think the Jaguars are going to have a good year, but they play the Jets, the Bears again, the Panthers. Like they, they have very winnable games in their schedule. Yeah. Um, you know. So that that's part of it. I mean, on the other side, I know we talked about the AFC a couple of weeks ago, but even the Jags, they they play the Commanders, the Texans. Um, yeah, they play the whole South. The the Lions, they play. Um, yeah. They play the Jets, te- Texans again. I mean, they they have a relatively easy schedule as well. Um, obviously, I am seven and ten. I don't think they're going to do it. They're going to push, but I think Trevor Lawrence year two with Doug Peterson, I think they'll be fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's pretty much all I had for the NFL. Obviously, super sad. Jeff Gladney killed in a car accident yesterday or Sunday, uh, whatever, whenever that actually happened. Um, just really sad. I I was talking about it with my brother on Sunday that he could be a solid CB2 for us because we really don't have a CB2 option. Former first rounder, obviously things didn't work in Minnesota, but it, just super sad, 25 years old, um, for someone to go like that. It's, it, you wouldn't wish that on anyone. Um, really really sad and while we're on the note um i know jordan and i talked about it before the podcast i know we opened our last podcast with what happened in buffalo and obviously we know what happened um in uvalde texas um i believe it was about a week ago now um i believe it was last tuesday or month yeah tuesday i believe the 24th um with obviously 19 students and two teachers um passing away um you know, due to a school shooting, it's, it's a tough topic for me to talk about just with a lot of, you know, my, my mom's retired now, but she was a teacher for 35 years, 36 years. Um, it, it just hits home for me because that easily could be my, 
parent. I mean, that could be anyone's kid. That could be anyone's wife, husband. I mean, I don't know, Jordan, if you heard too about the, one of the husbands of the teachers who passed away from a heart attack. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a fucked up world we live in, but that's not an excuse for anyone. I think, um, you know, I know you heard Steve Kerr talk about it. Ime Udoka even talked about it after uh, game seven, you know, that we can't lose sight of, of what the problems are in this country. And I know this isn't a political podcast, this is a sports podcast, but this is life. Um, this is life and death. So um, that's all I'm going to say is, is I agree with what Kerr, Udoka, you know, I know a lot of sports teams. I know, I know the Celtics put something out at game six when I was there, you know, putting the number of the Senator's office and of, of the governor's office and, you know, these different causes that we can do. I know the Tampa Bay raised didn't even tweet, you know, during one of their games, all they did was tweet about gun yeah, safety yeah. And, and, and ways we can improve as a, as a country. And it's, it's terrible. That's all I'm going to say. It's terrible. It's terrible families have to go through this and that, that young kids and teachers, you know, who sacrifice teachers who sacrifice so much as it is already have to, you know, worry about their safety at a freaking school. It's, it's upsetting. I know. Uh, and, and I'm going to say two quick things on it. One, people like to make the argument, well, we should arm teachers or we should have security guards there. One, there are police officers there at Uvalde who did absolutely nothing. And in Buffalo, there's a security guard who had a gun and couldn't even disarm the shooter because the shooter was prepared with tactical gear and helmet that could pe- that bullets could not penetrate. Um, so obviously that's not a solution. And number two, Canada and Australia, their mental illness rate is very close to us in in terms of mental illness per capita. Um, the only difference between our countries is that they have a complete, for the most part, a complete total assault rifle ban, and we don't. And you can look at the mass shooting numbers yourself. They're astronomically different. We have a lot more than any other country, and we're the only country with this problem, or at yeah. least the only developed country with this problem. And I hate, I even have to bring this up on a sports podcast, but it's look at the numbers, look at the per capita rates. Um, look at the total mass shooting numbers. America is number one in every category in terms of uh, actual quantity of how much it happens. And it's awful that we even have to bring this up, but, um, you know, just keep doing research. Like obviously your opinion, your opinion, you're going to think whatever you want, but you know, there the numbers are there for you to look at and have a good generalization about how different countries handle this situation and how little they have it compared to us and obviously we're we're not close to breaking through that threshold yet you know hopefully we do in the future but as of right now we're not going to i'm gonna i mean last thing i'm gonna say on it is just it's easy to say put yourself in these families' shoes put yourself in these kids shoes put yourself in these teachers shoes and i know people do it they'll do it for an hour they'll do it for a day they'll do it for a week but it's you know it's easy for us to forget about it because it's not happening to us in our everyday lives until it does happen to you in your everyday life and and the only way to make change is to to be a part of the change so 100%. 100%. And, and again, I'm sorry we're going on at this for a little bit. The last thing I will say, I taught all of last year. I yeah. never worry about it because Mass has some of the strictest gun laws in the entire country per state, and we have the least gun violence per capita per state. That's yeah. the last thing I'm going to say on it. Um, 100%. It's in the pudding. 100%. Well, I would like to end this on a happier note, though, because we do, we, you know, there can still be joy in the world and, and change will happen, hopefully, but 
Um, I don't, I just want to throw out a uh, late hit NHL playoffs. We are in the semifinals, the conference finals of the East. We got the Rangers, your New York Rangers, Jordan, uh, versus the Tampa Bay lightning. And then in the West, we got the Edmonton Oilers, um, versus, uh, the Colorado avalanche. We got Nathan McKinnon versus Connor McDavid, which is a big matchup. Um, mm-hmm. that people have been waiting for my pick right now. I'm going, I'm going Rangers abs, I think. And I think the abs really? take it all. I think the abs take it all. I think the lightning, you know, Vasilevsky is great. That team is trying to three-peat, but uh, I think the Rangers have gone to two game sevens, have played some really good Pittsburgh teams. Obviously, the first team to beat Carolina at home. I know the Bruins couldn't do that, and the Rangers lost the first three games, so beating them pretty easily last night at home um, went a long way, so yeah. that's what I got. So yeah. the Rangers came back down from 3 nothing. 3-2. Three 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 two. Two. Okay, Every way. team won the home game, and then the Rangers won game seven in Carolina, so... Um. Yeah, no, I the I would say the Rangers are the Celtics of the <laughs> NHL, so but so I, I think the Lightning are actually going to three P. I I don't watch a whole lot of hockey, but from what I have watched, they seem like the most complete team, and they just dismantled, dismantled the Panthers, the Panthers, who were the one seed. Yeah, and came back. They were down three two to Toronto as well, and a lot of people were high on Toronto this year and Austin Matthews, and they weren't able to to close it out. So, exactly. um, do you have any trivia? Because I have one. I do. So do I. You can kick it off. All right. So I'm going to give you five options. There's two right answers to this. So I want you to try and guess both. Okay. The Lakers have lost the most NBA finals at 15. There are two teams tied for second. What are the two teams? I'll give you five. You can, you can tell me which two you think. Pistons, Celtics, Warriors, 76ers, Knicks. I'm going to go Knicks. Okay. And I'm going to go Pistons. Knicks was correct. They're two and six. Pistons are tied with the Celtics with four. They're three and four. The second was the Sixers. They're three and six. Sixers. Interesting. Uh, and if the Warriors lose this series, they will be six and six. But right now they're currently six and five. Celtics 17 and four. Yeah, I knew the Celtics haven't lost a lot of finals that they've yeah. been in. So Sixers and Knicks. That's wild. Yeah. So I have a fun one for you. Cool. So Al Horford, obviously the long, most games, most playoff games ever played without making an NBA finals. I believe his, his, it stopped at what? 144, 141, 141 with making the finals. Which NBA player has played the most playoff games without winning a finals, not making it, but not winning a finals. Sam Perkins, Carl Malone. James Harden or John Stockton? I'm going to go Carl Malone. Carl Malone? Yeah. Final answer? Yeah. That is correct. 193 playoff games played, not a single win in the finals. Stockton's probably up there too, I would imagine. Number two, 182 games. And I think it's because I think Malone was on the – Lakers for a year or two in the late like 2003 2004 timeline when they made the playoffs but they didn't win it so I know he probably got some extra games in there which is crazy because Carmelone and John Stockton's plus minus for their entire NBA playoff career Malone had a plus 123 and Stockton had a plus 105 but that's not even bad because James Harden He's he's played 149 games without making it to the finals or winning the finals at least 357 plus minus, and he's not won a finals. 
And that's far more than any. I think the next closest is 257 for Kyle Korver, who wow. never won one. Jeez. Yeah. Um, yeah, crazy. Sam Perkins, um, he played 167 games, never won one. Wow. So crazy. Well, hey, it's going to, like I said, going to be a great series. Celtics and six plus one. That's what I'm saying. That's my pick. Um, but yeah, that's all I got. I don't know if you have anything else. I'm good, man. Close it out. Awesome. Well, thank you all. Episode 50 in the books. Great episode, I feel like. Uh, excited for the next 50. Excited for this NBA final series. And uh, yeah, Celtics for the balls. I was going to say that.